Welcome to another episode of Exploring Possibilities available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, my website, journeyofpossibilities.com. And now you can get the best of the best also on my YouTube channel, YouTube slash Cheryl Sitz. I am Cheryl Sitz, your host, where each week we have what I know to be some of the most interesting and inspiring conversations on the planet. It is my mission to help you explore holistic, spiritual ways that you can transform life from the inside out. Do you like what you hear each week? Please take a moment to support our work and help us cover the costs of bringing you these shows. You can do that at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. Our show in this website are the skillful creations of tech shaman Mario Rosales of Tech Life Balance. Mario, what can you do for our listeners this week? Thank you, Cheryl. You know, one of the other things that I hear a lot about is SEO, social media, even YouTube. Maybe you don't want to pay those $400 or $500 bills for SEO. Maybe you just need to know how SEO works. I can help you with that. Or you just need to upload a YouTube video because, you know, everybody's doing it. Rather than buying a marketing expert to do this for you, I can show you how to do that in plain English. I don't have to give you all the techno babble that goes along with all that. The other part that I can help you out, social media. A lot of people are pushing Facebook. A lot of people are pushing Twitter. What's right for you? I can help you figure that out. And that's what part of my consulting is and part of my power of giving you those solutions. I empower you to your solutions that work for you, not work for me. For solutions that empower you, reach me at mariorosales.net or techlifebalance.net. Who are you? Why are you here? What wonders and opportunities await you beyond physical death? What happened millennia ago to create the damaged earth and fractured societies you see around you? Empowering, enlightening, internationally acclaimed, the Joseph Communications books offer answers to these questions. Spiritual, concise, contemporary, non-denominational, the communications originate from Joseph, a highly evolved discarnate spirit concerned for you and the future of the planet and its peoples. The words of Joseph and his soul group give you the power to bring light and change into your own life and the lives of others and to restore the earth. Available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook formats, the communications can be ordered today at www.thejosephcommunications.com and also from Amazon and other major booksellers. All proceeds are used for further publishing and advertising and to make the communications available worldwide. We have the most amazing Build Your Own Experience coming up in Peru in September, and we'd love to have you join us. It's going to feature the Nazca Lines, the Jungle with with Plant Medicine and Shaman, Sacred Valley, Machu Picchu, more Plant Medicine, more Shamans, all kinds of different ceremonies. What feels right for you? Check it all out on our website and contact us so we can have a conversation and you can join us if you feel guided. Journeyofpossibilities.com slash events. Now for today's guest. Morgan Lynn is a psychic, a warrior, and the author of The Spirited Human. She walks with us through the fires of transformation, helping us explore our shadows and reclaim our authentic self. You can find out about her online at morganlynn.com. And by joining us today, welcome, Morgan. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk with you. I'm so glad to have you here, and thank you for your patience through the beginning of the show. So... For someone that hasn't picked up your book yet or checked out your website, how did you find this 
path of being a psychic and a warrior and an author? Were you born with all those channels open or have you been opening those for yourself? A little bit of both, I think. Uh, I, I do feel like we're born with these amazing gifts, but life has a way of beating them out of us a little bit. So we tend <laughs> to cover them up and put them away when we're uncomfortable with it. Or if we have friends, we don't want them to tease us. You know, there's various reasons why we put these things away. And so how I ended up on this path, I was born an empath. I did remember feeling things when I was around seven or eight years old, but I did not understand it and I didn't know anyone to talk to about it. So I was afraid of it. Around 27, 28, maybe it started coming back online and showing me that uh, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. But I didn't want to do it. I actually was arguing with my angels and guides, like telling them to leave me alone, go away. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to do this. I want to be normal. And it thrusted upon me. Like there was just this opening that I could not ignore anymore. I had to either embrace it or feel like I was going to get trampled by it. So I chose to embrace it. <laughs> and, uh, and, and everything just kind of started to turn on from there. I get what you're saying about wanting to be normal. I mean, for me, it was a trip to Peru and plant medicine in the jungle and going, uh, I don't think I'm going to go home to the same life that I left. <laughs> like there's right. this point of right. no return. Once right? you see, you can't unsee. Once you know, you can't unknow. And there's this, I don't know, there's this moment in time when you instinctively, you know, there's a point when you go forward, you know, you can't go back. And I resisted that for a really long time. I didn't I didn't understand it and I was afraid of it. And so thank goodness my guides like pushed me enough. They shoved me over that line because I am so grateful for it now, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Well, not to jump right into your book, but kind of to involve some of the stuff I picked up from reading your book in this conversation about who you are as a woman. I really related when you started talking about your relationship with your mom and how the messages that you got growing up kind of planted this unconscious belief for the most part that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, and how that kind of healing that helped you open up to more of the truth of who you are and your gifts. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I think we all have what's called a core story. We all have this negating one-liner that's always working in the background to sabotage our efforts to move forward and be happy. And my core story was, I am unworthy. I'm not worthy. And so until you know that is in there, it will run everything in your life. It'll, it'll make decisions for you on a subconscious level. And we don't understand it. We want what we want, but then we don't understand why we're sabotaging against it. And it's this big tug of war, push pull kind of battle. So for me, I'm always interested in understanding the mechanics of us. I want to understand what makes us tick. I get the way the world works. I know there's a lot of stuff out there, but I want to know why did I decide to do it that way? What's motivating me in the background? Kind of like the Wizard of Oz, like the man behind the curtain. I want to know who's turning all the dials and making all the smoke and lights come on. Like I want to understand that. And so it really started me into that questioning. And that's what a lot of what the book is about. The book is about mechanics of what makes us up, what runs us, the things we know, the things we don't know. It, it just fascinates me to no end. So I want to understand every bit that I can get my hands on. Yes. 
Absolutely. I want to track back just a little bit and kind of affirm that at least for me, that's not as neat and clean an experience as finding that one liner and dismissing it. I mean, for me, that has been an ongoing journey of pretty much ever since my awakening, because there are so many layers and ways that it shows up and habits built around it. And, and as our, our vibration doesn't just go from one place to another, it, it moves through a process of going deeper and deeper into what that story really looks like. And changing it and, and falling in love with the self in a way that isn't, you know, uh, what do they call it? Um, neurotic or, or boastful, but a true self-love and self-care and, and coming into a wholeness or realizing the wholeness in layers and incorporating that. And that's what your book does a beautiful job of talking about in terms of processes and things that we can move through to, to take that journey for ourselves. Yeah. Thank you. I really tried to do that because I agree. It, the core story touches on many, many facets of our life. It, it isn't that simple. It, if it were, we would already have uncovered all of them and, and understood them. And so it, it's a sneaky little bugger. It hides back there <laughs> and it affects everything in our life. And that's where if you have it in there your whole life, you don't realize it because you've just grown accustomed to having it. And this is just who you are. And if we don't stop and have those questions around that, like if we don't stop and question our behavior question our decisions, question our feelings, not in a judgmental, I must figure this out kind of way, but in a curiosity. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder why I did it like that. <laughs> we'll never really uncover it. And and then once we do uncover it, what the heck do we do with it? That's a whole other ball of wax. So <laughs> it, it takes some skill building to get in there and really dig around and root around and then and then knowing how to care for it once you do find it. Yes, it is a journey. And that's why the first part of your book is the the number one thing that you move into is awareness. Because mm -hmm. for me, that has been the most expanding thing. The more I become aware of all the roles and all the ways that this shows up in my life, the more I can move into doing something different if I want to, rewriting that story if I want to. But for a long time, I, I think I started out seeing it in terms of my romantic relationships, my my core story. And mm -hmm. from there, it moved into my friendships, it moves into my career, it moves into if you're an entrepreneur, it's all over that. It's, it really shows up in every aspect of our life. So as we shift it, everything starts to shift. That is what the cool thing is about it. Yeah, it's like pulling a thread. It starts to unravel the whole sweater, not just that one thread. And that can be seen as the bad news. But honestly, uh, it's the good news. It feels like the bad news at first because then your reality starts being in question and you see the illusions breaking down. And And I feel like that's the path of that healing is to break down the illusions of who we think we are, who we've been told who we are, and let those break down so that we can rebuild them into who we want to be and who we were born to be. So it's yeah, it gets interesting when you start pulling on that thread. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> and that's why the next step is being still and quiet. And you you cover some different styles of, of meditation and ways that we can get quiet and still because we can be aware, but if we don't slow down, we can't really do anything with that awareness that's beneficial for us. At some point, we have to slow down, right? I didn't see a meditation in there that we could do at 90 miles an hour, but maybe I missed that one. <laughs> No, no, there's no 90 miles an hour meditations. I agree <laughs> with that. It's once you start to become aware, 
it can get overwhelming because you start seeing things that you didn't see before. And uh, if we try to blow past it, you'll actually create more anxiety. And so by being able to be still and quiet enough, then you can properly process it and be like, it really is just about creating the space for the thing you see, giving yourself the ability to pause for that moment and be in the space with it. I've learned that acknowledging overdoing anything about it is actually the path to healing it. We are so driven to attack these things and dig them out and, and name them and blame them and find the culprit that we actually do more harm to ourselves. But if we can be still enough and quiet enough just to witness the wound that wants to be witnessed, that's how it starts the healing process. That is really powerful. And we don't hear that very much in our society, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. We're not, we're not designed that way. We're not, we're not given the, um, oh, the proper training for those kinds of things. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just the way human evolution is and our understanding of how these things work. But I, I do feel like we're moving into a new awareness of these healing styles and, and processes. So I'm hoping that that's shifting now. Me too. And I do have a very close friend who is in the corporate America lifestyle, but she's wide awake. And I see her kind of struggle with that because she walks into an environment that's mostly unconscious. And then she tries to bring her light and be in her light and be who she really is in that. And, and it kind of pulls and tugs at her. And so for those who are listening, who are thinking, you know, I've got to go off and live on a mountain or I've got to retreat from <laughs> society to do this. It's really about deciding I'm important enough that I have to make that time and space in my day to do this and, mm -hmm. and committing to that. And when you slip and slide and break your commitment, recommit, right? Because we all do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all backslide. There's no big deal around that. I think the thing to remember is to work towards not judging it. Just get back on board and and do it when you can and give yourself the space to be a busy human. It's okay. Uh, I, I see so much damage that we do to ourselves when we do the thing, but then we judge that we do the thing. And the judgment is what hurts us more than actually doing the thing. So do the thing, miss it. Don't get really busy, work in a corporate world. Don't have any time for yourself on Monday, but Tuesday, get back on board. Try not to judge that you missed it. And that actually helps a lot. Morgan, it sounds like from what I have heard and read that you have a mom very similar to the mom that my friend and I had, and I'm sure many women had. We had mothers that were, that did the judging, that did the shaming, that did whatever. And, and I'm sure they meant it out of love. They did the best they knew. But how it can be difficult for some of us to silence that silence that inner judge because mom's voice goes on long after mom's left the planet in our own heads, right? How do you yep. work with that in yourself? It did start for me in the awareness of it. There's there's got to be a dedication in ourselves to pay attention to these things, to listen to the voice. Nine times out of 10, when we have the inner critic's voice, we don't really pay attention to it. We just listen and, well, we, we mind it. We do what it says. We don't really stop and ask, is this even what I want to do? So being in the question of that critic voice is the opportunity to make a new decision. And then I started recognizing, oh, that's my mom's voice. Oh, that's where that comes. Oh, okay. I understand that now. Do I want to listen? 
So giving yourself an opportunity to, again, just witness what the inner critic voice sounds like and then get into the curiosity of, wow, this makes me feel like that when I feel when I hear that when I hear that voice. Is that my voice? Is this something I want to listen to? It, it begins to create this little separation between your thoughts and its thoughts because it is a part of us on some level, but that doesn't mean we can't learn to give it a little space and separate it from us so that it doesn't run the show. That's really good stuff too. I love this. You're giving us lots of great takeaways oh, here. Oh, good. <laughs> so for those of you who are listening like in your car or at the gym or whatever, you may want to re-listen to this and take some notes when you can jot it down because there's some good stuff here to incorporate. Well, next in your book, you go into aligning and you talk about the chakras and our flow of energy and restoring that. And if I remember right, it's almost like a checking in with each little station. How are you doing today? Was, isn't that kind of how you move through it with the same joyful personality we're hearing today? Yes, I feel, and this might out me as being a little wackadoodle, but <laughs> I feel like all of these components, everything, these facets that make us up into this tiny little human, we can touch them all and have a relationship with them all. So the chakra system is no different for me. It, I treat them like they're my best friends because the way I see it, they're working really hard for me. I want to let them know that I'm working really hard for them. I want to be a team with them. So I have conversations with my chakras and with my client chakras. And the craziest part of that is they'll actually answer me. <laughs> I learned that years ago. If I just ask them, how are you? What do you need right now to be in, in your center? and I pause for a moment, I will start getting information of what that one chakra needs to feel like it is back in alignment. That is all the way back to awareness and stillness. We have got to slow down and listen to, I, I met with a client this week and she's been praying and praying and praying. And I said, well, are you listening for the answer? Have you heard the answer yet? Like right. we just get so busy. We don't slow down to get the information that we need about our bodies, about our spirit, the spirit guides, whatever path you're on, the information comes back to us and we have to listen. Yeah. There's this, there's this speed that's starting to increase in our world where technology and social media and and binge watching and and fast foods and everything is is rushing us through our day because we're trying to pack in everything you know that we could possibly do in a day but we're not stopping for 20 minutes to ask how am i doing with this do i like this do i want to keep doing this when you get into the question that's my very favorite thing to do is not in the critical question of like, why can't I do this? Why isn't it working? But why is this not working? What is going on that's not feeling like it aligns with me? When you ask those questions, you get answers. Yes, indeed. And I love that you went back again and said, not in the critical, in the criticism of it. Because mm -hmm. we do, we tend to go to why me or be upset about it. And if mm -hmm. we can stay in the playful question and the Hmm, isn't this interesting? What if and and I love to word it as if everything is happening for my benefit, how is this beneficial for me? Why would I create a situation with this in it to benefit me? What does that look like? And then the information that shows up is something I can so use for my benefit and growth. And it, I'm not criticizing it or shaming myself or any of that stuff we grew up with. Right. I like that. I like that questioning. 
Yeah, that it opens up a whole new possibility of what's happening in our world because our perception is so limited. We only see the things we're reacting to. And usually that's from a space of uncomfortable or fear, you know, because we're trying to survive. So usually our reaction is very fear-based, survival-based. But if we start getting into the, wow, this is so curious. I'm just so, I wonder what this means and what is this for? It opens up the crown chakra opens it up towards source to the universe, whatever we want to call that. And source is craving to answer our questions. It is, it is so happy when we are in the receiving mode of the questions we are asking. That's the relationship. So if you can get into that curiosity, it opens up your crown chakra to receive the answers to your question. Well, this feels like a perfect segue to me. So I'm going to move ahead a little bit in the book. I don't want to give it all away here on the interview, but I have got to talk to you about the Claire's because I'm just going to say right here, you do the best job of describing and helping us check in with our gifts, clairaudient, clairsentient, claircognizant, all of the Claire's, I think you call them. Mm -hmm. The way that you present the material is very unique because you also talk about how it's not necessarily seeing it with our third eye. It's not necessarily hearing inside our head. Sometimes it shows up in the tangible material world in the form of someone speaking to us a message and we know it's an answer or mm -hmm. seeing something that's exactly what we needed to see to answer. That's so true. And people don't talk about that as being part of those gifts. I'm giggling because my guides are very proud that you're that you like that section because that's all them. Awesome. <laughs> they are behind me like ribbing each other going, "Oh, she's talking about us." <laughs> yeah, that's the training they gave me is they're so incredibly clever and creative that we limit our world. They want to play with us and show us all that is possible. And so I'm so happy that they trained me that way because I I was such a child when they were playing with me and showing me all these cool things. Yeah, these tangible physical signs would come into my experience and they would giggle and laugh and they're like, see, that's the thing we're trying to say to you. And so, yeah, they've shown me it's not just about angels showing up or hearing voices in your head. It's also about road signs and and these big trucks going by with a big message on them, our license plates, like they want to play on all levels if we can just give them the space to do that. Yes, indeed. And for me, being on the shamanic path, and this is all, I've covered a lot of this in my program too, my little audio study program, Remember Who You Are, that's on my website. I talk about how animal medicine, how to use the animals that show up in our life as a messenger. When we're asking for messages from spirit, they come in so many forms. And there are many, many ways that we can open ourselves to receive it. Numerology, messengers in the form of a friend talking about just the thing that you were thinking about the other day and asking about. It's all answers. So I think our guides are laughing together because when you said that, <laughs> mine too are going, yes, we're getting it out there. <laughs> right? They're hilarious. They're like, yes, she's talking about us. Yay, we're on the radio. <laughs> exactly. So are your clients surprised? Do you work with clients in helping them recognize their gifts? Because I also agree with your statement in your book that we are all born with all of these gifts. And mm -hmm. Hans Christian King teaches about this as well, an internationally known psychic. We all have all of these gifts. So we don't need to seek out someone else necessarily to give us our answers. We need to maybe find people that can help us 
recognize these gifts more fully and step into them. Do you have clients surprised at some of the things you tell them, like, you know, getting the answers in the material world versus voices in their head? Oh, yeah. We, I, I think, you know, in general, we have this misconception of what being intuitive or what being psychic means. And so, you know, we've seen movies and we, we have a lot of pop culture references giving us it's awesome to have the fun movies, but it's not always accurate. And my whole stance is I really do believe that people are born with these things. It's just that life has thrown a bunch of crap to you and it's covered it up. So my work is actually in helping people strip off what has been covered up so that they can discover what's down there. It's not really about you got to go find it because it's missing and I want these things and I don't know where they are. It's lost. We've got to strip down. I, I call it the pile of coats. You just have a big pile of coats on you and we need to get all the coats off so that you can remember who you are. So that that attempt, that that stance, I think is surprising to people because they think they have to go find the thing. Yes. So it changes yeah. it up a little bit. I agree with that. And as you're talking about the pile of coats, and you mentioned this earlier about yourself, I think many of us had more of these gifts in our awareness when we were younger. And just like you did, we we wanted to be normal. We wanted to fit in. We had no training. I mean, many of us probably even said something to mom about something that happened with one of these gifts. And she's like, no, that don't be going around talking about that, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Don't let the neighbors know. They're going to think we're crazy. Don't don't tell anybody. They're going to, you know, and that comes from just centuries of being persecuted as gifted people in various cultures and ways because of the, you know, the witch burning times and and any religion throughout history has been persecuted for their beliefs. So, you know, there's a lot of DNA memory around that where um that's actually where I work with people in past life work because They'll have fears and these phobias around these conversations, but not having any past evidence as to why they have these fears. So we dig a little bit further and we go back into their past lives and and there's usually four or five lifetimes in there of persecution. So yeah, we we try to balance that out too. So for you, is this is spiritual work connected to to the paranormal work that some people do? Is it all the same to you or is there a difference in your mind's eye. It's all connected in a way, but I have a different approach to the paranormal. I've done paranormal investigating. It's a different approach because there are a, a lot of things that go bump in the night. And so you have to go in with a different set of armor and a little bit more education around what's in those haunted places. But honestly, my most favorite part of paranormal work is being able to get in touch with spirits that have been dead for 50, 100, 150 years, but they have forgotten that they've died. And it sounds odd, but it's like a little bit of counseling where you got to walk them to the awareness that they've died very gently so that they can come upon that knowing on their own and then hold them while they freak out and then support them in crossing over. It's this very beautiful, delicate process that I accidentally stumbled on one time that I didn't even know that's what was going on. But I feel like when a spirit, when a, when a person has been dead over 50 years, they tend to forget that they died if they haven't crossed over. So it's this amnesia kind of thing. So it's just a little different approach, but it's, it's still heart centered and, and love centered. 
And it's been my understanding that this will happen because we're holding on to them, kind of. Like if we can't let them go, they can't let go. They or or maybe they died suddenly and they have not been able to grasp yet that they're not still here or what that means or where they go next or there's interesting reasons why they can get trapped so to speak on the other side right yeah those two those two examples you gave are are excellent examples and then the third one usually is they are afraid of what's on the other side awaiting them and Mm -hmm. so they would rather risk it to stay on this side of the veil Maybe they were a quote unquote bad guy and, or, you know, a bank robber or they did bad things in their life. And so they're, they're afraid of the judgment that's on the other side. And so they'll stick around and try to avert, <laughs> they'll try to stay away from the law, even in death. <laughs> and they get stuck here over time and, and slowly but surely they start forgetting. And uh, then they'll start frequenting uh, locations that feel familiar, which is why we get the classic hauntings. Like if a bank robber is starting to forget, he might find a bank to haunt or a hotel that he used to hold up in. And even though it wasn't his hotel, so it gets a little sketchy in there as to why they choose certain things. But the end result is always the same. They've stayed on this side so long that they have forgotten. And it's sad to me because I feel like, you know, if you imagine no one acknowledging you, no one ever touching you, no one ever speaking to you or seeing you, I would I would guess that we would start to question our own existence. So we would begin to wonder if we even exist. And then there's this question of, well, if I don't exist, then what good am I? So then they would be motivated to seek things that would feel familiar. It would bring them some comfort. And uh, it's sad And I love that process because I like walking them through the awareness that they can go home, that it is okay. I think it's so interesting that the conversation went here. I talk about, I tell my (laughs) guests, I don't use a script. I have no idea where we're going. I tell them all that. And you guys bravely come on the show and I have no idea where we're going. And my guides take over, you know, and apparently we needed to talk about that today. And you've covered it in a way that I don't think we've covered it on the show before. So I, I am... I never plan these things out, but my intention is that when I have guests on the show, they present a very objective and loving view of what's beyond the material plane here on earth, because I don't think that's the picture that many have been painted out there. And I know it to be true. So I think it's beautiful that you were able to give us such a loving look at what some of our loved ones may be experiencing in the beyond and that they can feel comfortable to connect with you and have help helping that other person across so that they can be with other souls and recognize the next phase of what they're here to do or there to do or wherever they are. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. There's a natural process to this. And, you know, the process is typically the, the person stays on this side long enough to say their goodbyes, but it's the it's proper to go ahead and cross over because then they go into their healing phase and their resting phase. And then eventually they get to prepare what they want to do next. If they want to come back and be another human or if they want to, you know, work on that side, it, it's up to them on that level. But if they disrupt that flow, then they'll disrupt their their consciousness, their awareness of who they are, and where they are. And it's so nice to be able to help them and 
oftentimes what we hear and, and what I've heard, even from people close to me who understand the kind of work I do, I just want the, this to stop. I'm, I'm feeling a presence in my house and I'm uncomfortable about it. Come get rid of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. that presence is often a loved one. What if we move beyond, I've just got to make this stop because it makes me uncomfortable. Imagine how they're feeling hanging around in your house, not being a part of your house and this world <laughs> and this reality, right? Like they're probably even more uncomfortable than you are. So maybe we could have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, and there, and, you know, not to make it go in a totally different direction, but I, <laughs> I am very big on educating people that there's, there's a lot out there. There are a lot of different kinds of spirits and beings out in the universe. And, and, uh, if you are uncomfortable, like this is the, this is the part I don't like about paranormal shows and, and the movies that talk about hauntings, they give this message across to the public that you're haunted, you're screwed, you can't do anything about it, live with it. Yes. They're stronger than you. You have no say. <laughs> and that's not true at all. No. Because this is your realm. This is your domain. And you have the right to say, yes, I feel you. Yes, I get you want to communicate with me, but I am not okay with this. You have to leave. And nine times out of 10, that works. If it doesn't work, yes, it might be a loved one with a message. So maybe ask, all right, is there a message? If there's no message, you might need to seek out some support to have someone help you get rid of it because there are nasties in the universe that don't play by the same rules. Right. So, you know, not to make everything all dark and scary. It's just about education. It's knowing that, yeah, things go bump in the dark and, and it's okay to be educated around it. You still are the most powerful person in the room. They just don't want you to think that. Exactly. Thank you for that. Yes, that's very important. I don't think we could say that enough if we said it every show because I know. <laughs> we have been taught otherwise. So thank you for meandering with me into the paranormal. I had no idea we were going to go there, but that was a fun little dance. <laughs> Oh, baby, I can ride with whatever. Let's do this. <laughs> Me too. Isn't it fun? Yeah. <laughs> well, looking to back to kind of the, the framework of your book, because this book is laid out in a way that can be a real handbook for somebody. Again, we're talking about The Spirited Human by Morgan Lynn. You can move through the chapters of the book and actually move through the journey of self-discovery and self-awareness. So it's, it's in a really nice order. And the next thing you touch on is honor. You want to explain why that? Well, we have really crappy boundaries tendency. (laughs) We don't really have very good self-space. We don't believe in ourselves. We have been taught by people in our life to um, be in the prostitute archetype, meaning you must give away all your pieces and parts in order for people to love you. Especially, it sounds like if our mothers were a lot like what yours and mine sound like, um, the guilt trips and the blame and the, you know, the criticism that really breaks down your barriers, your, your healthy boundaries. So honor is all about bringing back those boundaries. And I, that is a personal journey for me. The book obviously is very personal, but Boundaries have always been a big conversation for me because I am empathic. So that means I can feel people's disappointment. I do want that love because my mother didn't give me that love. So it's like this perfect recipe to let anybody take anything they want at any time. And I just finally got to a place where I realized that wasn't working. And and yet at the same time, it's hard to tell a person to just, well, you just need boundaries. And you can't just say these things flippantly if you 
are not immersed in the in the structural and integrity of it. And so that's what that chapter is really about is walking people through these little ahas of, oh, I do that. Oh, that's why. Oh, okay, I can work on this. And I want to bring I want to bring people back to their their center and boundaries is one of the strongest ways to do that. It is. And I think it's a key point in the journey back to self-love or for some of us. Well, it's back to self-love because I believe that we are born in that state and we spend our childhood being moved from that state so we can find our way back to it. And why would we do that to ourselves? It's so it's for the experience of it. It's because in the darkest things that I've walked through in coming back to the light, I understand myself and life and, and others so much more fully than if I had never done that. I think that I needed to address that because so many of us that have walked through hell in this lifetime and others, we, we honestly are like, why would I ever sign up for that? Because we, we understand how amazing we are in ways that we never could without going there. But so I think boundaries are another way of saying self-love. I love myself enough to say yes to me instead of yes to everybody else all the time is kind of the way I contextualize them. Right. I think I almost quite literally say that in the book because that's my big slogan too. I love myself enough to not let you harm me. And I love you enough to tell you. That's, that's to me, that's boundaries. Yes. We have to voice these things so that people understand where our boundaries are. It isn't their fault if we don't speak up. And I think people also get trapped in the, well, they should know and they should just understand. And no, that's unfair. Now, once you voice, hey, I don't know if you realize, but that thing you do really hurts my feelings. And I'm asking that you not do it anymore. Once you voice that and they agree, the next time they, you know, come across those boundary lines, then you can get upset with them, but not until they have been given some sort of heads up. That's, that's not fair. Exactly. And it's good practice for us too. We need to state these things clearly. And, and that takes practice because I didn't go from no boundaries to having boundaries overnight. (laughs) It was a bunch of slipping and sliding and vague boundaries and getting upset. And why did they do that to me? Oh, I didn't set my boundary again. It really is an interesting journey to come back to loving ourselves more fully. And your book is, I would recommend it to anyone who's listening as a great guide, a great overview and, and clarity around the different stages of what all that can look like and areas to look at that can bring about profound transformation in our lives. Thank you so much for allowing me to discuss the book with you today. What else are you up to? If someone wants to work with you, they can have private sessions as well. Yeah, I do. I have readings obviously available, available for people, but I'm also doing private coaching for people. For me, the readings are uh, an instant snapshot of what's going on where you can receive guidance for things in your life at that moment. And then the coaching is more lifelong changes. Uh, it follows along with the book a lot. That's that's It's a big conversation for me on that level. I'm also starting to lean into one of my greatest passions, and that's working with empaths. I'm starting to understand myself enough to want to it, it was my mission to understand this conversation. I didn't understand myself. I didn't get why I would get overwhelmed all the time. And now that I have that, I want to help others understand that. So I've got a couple of workshops coming up. One of them is February 2nd and 3rd. It's a two-day weekend. It's the Empowered Empath Workshop, and it's located here in Boise, Idaho. 
I also have one scheduled. You are literally the first one that gets to hear about this. So hot off the presses, I have (laughs) an Empowered Empath Workshop coming up in Dallas, July 20th and 21st. And the dates for the Dallas are not listed yet because I have just confirmed with the hotel. But if you go to the empoweredempath.info, that information will be circulating through. And if you are in the Boise area, you can sign up for that one. So that's going to be the Empowered Empath hub of information. Excellent. That's great work. It's so needed because as we step into these gifts and we open ourselves up more fully to all that we're able to do, learning to navigate that is the next step. How do I manage this energy so that I'm not soaking up everybody's everything? So great. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) It's a mess. It can be a mess. And my, my sadness, my passion is when people don't even realize they're empathic. They're the ones that are hurting because it's just a mess and they don't understand why it's a mess. The beauty of it is though, is yes, we're born with it, but it starts to feel like a curse. I want to take people over into understanding how it's a superpower and get them into that mindset. So that's what the workshop is about. Oh, it is a superpower. I'm so glad you're doing that. And I can't imagine not having that superpower now that I've learned how to navigate it better. So thank you for all that you're doing to help people awaken, to help us step deeper into our gifts, to help us learn how to manage those gifts. It's just been really great connecting with you, reading your book and getting to know you a little bit today. Yeah. Thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed connecting with you. I I really appreciate you having me. Oh, it's been my pleasure. And I like to wrap my shows by asking guests if you have a parting thought you would like to leave the listener with today. My guides always love this moment because I reach out and I go, what do you want to say today? And the thing that I hear is please love yourself. Please give yourself the space to be the mess, the beauty the wisdom and the wrong that you are and just be that and have that space for that and just marvel at its magnificence. Ooh, that's delicious. I love your guides already. (laughs) I love them. They make me cry. I'm tearing up. You can't see me, but I love them so much because they're just so, ah, yum. Yes. Yum indeed. Thank you again, Morgan. This has been so fun. And listener, thank you for joining us today. And what did you think? Let me know. Send me your feedback. Give me your support at journeyofpossibilities.com slash support. And we'll see you next week on Exploring Possibilities.